Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt DeBear. Matt, what's going on? I'm doing great. I'm I'm better than the uh, the picture we were just talking about of the Rutgers Scarlet <laughs> Knight uh, as Malik Mega found the end zone on Saturday. So I'm doing better than the, the poor uh, 19-year-old college kid stuck in a night costume. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if y'all didn't see it, uh, Curtis Chan, uh, who uh, does a ton of stuff at Penn State, he's in charge of internal communications, does some stuff in the College of Com, uh, posted a picture on his Twitter account that I highly recommend going and looking it up. But it's Malik Mega after his touchdown, where like apparently everyone on Michigan, uh, not Michigan, Rutgers defense didn't know he like existed, just walked in. Uh, the Scarlet Knight is just like face It's very good. Uh, we're, but we're here to talk about uh, Malik Mega and the rest of the Penn State Nittany Lions uh, taking care of business at home. You know, it's their second win in three games. But, you know, this this one, I think, just felt quite different than the game against Maryland because it seemed like there was just a real sense of optimism of Penn State dominating this sort of game. All that going on as the Nittany Lions took down Rutgers 28 to nothing. The second time that Penn State has a home shutout in Big Ten play this season. Nittany Lions outgained the Scarlet Knights by a million. Big story of the game was early on. Sean Clifford uh, went down with some sort of injury that was not defined. He was one of the players who was dealing with whatever uh, sickness was going around uh, in the lead up to the game that James Franklin mentioned. He ended up uh, getting hurt going to the sideline and recently appointed backup Christian Bayou came in and could not have played much better. One of several Canadian imports on the day to have a big game. The Ottawa native, 15 for 24, 235 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks in his debut in the world of college football. Matt, it's something I mentioned a second ago, but when you think of basically what has happened to Penn State football since that Iowa game, you look and it has been loss, 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 win over Maryland, loss, this Rutgers win. This was the first time, I would say, since that win over Indiana, the 24 to nothing win, where it was just a nice, comfortable day at the ballpark. Other team, you know, there was another team providing resistance, but Penn State was able to go up and get a really comfortable win, uh, give themselves a little bit of momentum as they start to close out this season. No, I think you put it perfectly. I think it's it's the the best that everyone's felt about, I guess, not to be too dramatic about it, but kind of the general state of the program since early in the second quarter against Iowa. Um, you know, yeah, they got the win in Maryland, um, but it was just it was kind of a sloppy win and it was um you know kind of in doubt until the very end. It just, you know, it, it was it was more arduous than enjoyable, I guess. Might be a good way to put the Maryland game. But this, I think, for a variety of reasons, one, you know, it was comfortable. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of doubt once Penn State went up. Um, you could probably make a case 7 nothing, but certainly 14 nothing in the second half that it never really felt like they were going to be in much trouble. Um, you could see kind of the relief among the team. Uh, there was a great picture, um, a great video that, that BTN got of Mike Yersich and Christian Veyu after the mega uh, Malik Mega touchdown score, just how happy 
that that he I think it was after that score. It was one of the three touchdown passes that Veyu threw. Um, quarterback and coach on the sideline, just you know, generally happy. And I it felt like a long time since we had seen anyone around the program with that kind of smile on their face. And um, I think it's kind of been one of the things that's been you know a hallmark or a calling card of of Penn State under James Franklin has been that generally speaking they've they they are a team that is having fun that is you know jumping around celebrating you know generally enjoying playing college football and the last six weeks have very much felt not like that you know both from results from the off the field stuff that we've talked about ad nauseum um, it felt good to to get a win like that it felt good given the circumstances with Clifford going out early with the number of guys that um, either were unavailable at all for the game or were clearly limited or recovering from the flu bug that's gone through the team in the last, you know, even less than a week, it sounds like. Um, but, you know, they, you know, I think it was after the game, Franklin told BTN that there were 30 or 35 guys that were unavailable or severely limited going into the game yesterday. And as recently as Friday night at practice, they thought they might have to start Mason Stall at quarterback because all three of their scholarship quarterbacks um, did not participate in Friday's practice while they were sick. Sean Clifford getting an IV during warmups. Um, you know, just a lot of adversity. And I think that coupled with how the game went and seeing guys like Veyu and Mega and Derek Tangelo on senior day and Jonathan Sutherland on senior day kind of making those big plays, I think it just felt you know, for the first time in a month and a half, like football was fun again for these guys. And it was really good to see. Yeah. Franklin's quote after the game, obviously I've been doing this for 26 years, 12 years as a head coach. We had 35 guys out for one reason or another. Uh, 21 guys were out with the flu. 14 had the flu and played through it. Uh, on the adversity of the week, I said, I'm really proud of the guys. This is as much adversity I've seen a program withstand in one week. Uh, reminder, this man coached at Vanderbilt. He knows what it's like to go through weird stuff uh, for at a football program that is just not, um, uh, you know, I, I will say up to par with its competition. But got in there, and I, we'll, we'll talk about the offense in a second, Matt. I think the offense is kind of the big thing to take away from this, particularly Sean Clifford. But I want to start with Penn State's defense uh, just because I feel like that's a really easy conversation to have. Rutgers, 10 first downs in the game, three for th- four for 16 on third downs, 160 yards on the day, 93 passing, 67 rushing, had one turnover. If not for some drop picks, they probably could have had three or four. Uh, their starting quarterback, Noah Vidral, 12 for 23, 91 yards. Their top rusher uh, was a guy, was Johnny Langan, who's a quarterback slash fullback slash God knows whatever else. Five carries, 18 yards. Like, it seemed to me like the two things that could happen for Rutgers offense was they don't do much of anything or they – get a penalty called against Penn State, and then they don't do much of anything. Like, it was as it, it was the kind of performance you want to see a defense as good as Penn State have in a game like this. Yeah, I think it was um, probably considering, you know, I know Rutgers is in the, in the bottom third of the Big Ten, but I think given the, the overall quality of the roster, if you will, I think it was probably the best top-to-bottom performance that Penn State's had defensively this season. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the whole bend, don't break mindset. There wasn't even a whole lot of bending, um, on Saturday. They, 
um, you know, like you said, Bill, short of a couple penalties, um, and I think it was the one big pass play that uh, Vedral hit to Bo Melton, um, they really weren't able to do much of anything offensively. Um, the one time they even threatened to score the Penn State defense, as they've done all year, buckled down in the red zone um, and forced the, uh, the fourth down sack um, and fumble of Vedral. So, um, you know, less than 160, I think it was 160 yards in the button allowed, um, you know, under 100 yards passing, under, you know, just over 60 yards rushing, um, just 10 first downs. And actually, that actually feels like a lot. Um, when you go back and think about yeah. just how overall dominant they were, um, I thought it was really cool to see a guy um, that we've talked about a lot, I think, as Penn State fans. But um, Derek Tangelo, I think, had a really great day on senior day. You know, a couple of really disruptive plays. Um, it was cool to see him kind of go out um, his last college football game. He's not even eligible to come back next year. This is his COVID year with Penn State. Um, seeing him have a great game, I thought Jaquan Brisker, who technically can come back, but I think we all expect him to leave early. Um, and, and test the NFL draft. Um, great game. Arnold Abakite, um, kind of quietly, you know, I looked at the numbers and it didn't feel like he had this kind of dominant type of game, but five tackles, um, one sack, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, um, two quarterback hurries, um, you know, kind of doing what he's done all year. Um, Kaziah Izzard was really solid, I thought. Um, just a lot of guys, I think, Again, stepping up, whether they've taken on bigger roles because of injuries, a guy like Azard or Derek Tangelo, um, you know, being called upon to do more with PJ Mustafer out. Um, it was cool to see guys like that have either, you know, the continuing improvement or go out um, on a really strong note at home. Yeah, and you look up and down the uh, chart of guys who played in this game. You- they get, they understood that this was an opportunity, and this is something that was very evident uh, with one particular position on the offensive side of the football. We'll certainly mention this, but they gave a lot of run to a lot of guys who are going to be coming back next season and be expected to take the batons from the Arnold Ebiketis, from uh, the Brandon Smiths, should he go to the NFL, the Jaquan Briskers, those sorts of things. You look up and down, you have guys – uh, like Koziah is playing a ton. You knew he was going to play a ton anyway. Keaton Ellis, Nick Tarburton, Marquise Wilson got some runs. Smith Vilbert got run. Uh, just so many. Kalen King uh, continues to play a ton. Devon Ellis, uh was able to go out there and get some runs. Zariah Fisher at defensive end plate. It was a lot of, it seemed to me, Penn State understanding Listen, we know Rutgers is not going to be able to do much of anything on offense with anyone that we throw out there. I mean, from where I sat, my seats are in NCU, so I have a really nice all-22 view uh, of how things are going. Penn State basically understood that there was no chance that Rutgers was going to run the football. I think if you go back and keep track of how many times at least one safety, uh, we won't count Jonathan Sutherland in this, so whether it's just uh, Jair Brown uh, Jaquan Brisker, whomever it might be, was up in the box with the linebackers, just giving Penn State that sort of numerical superiority in the box. And Rutgers looked at this and saw what Penn State was giving them and went, we don't care. We don't, we know we cannot throw on you. My guess is you're going to see it was a whole hell of a lot of time that Penn State spent giving them those sorts of looks there. You mentioned it, Matt, other than that one uh, big passing play, to Bo Melton, and I must stress, big passing play was for 34 yards. 
There was a reception for 34 yards to Melton. Uh, Victor Konopka had one for 18 yards. Aaron Young had one for 17. They didn't get a whole heck of a lot going on through the air. They just ran the ball and ran it and ran it and ran it, and it didn't give them all that much of anything. We have to give a special tip of the hat here to Jordan Stout. Uh, Stout gave the ball back to Rutgers. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, twelve, thirteen times. Five of them were on kickoffs. They all went for touchdowns because it's Jordan Stout. Here's the rest of them, Matt. All of these are off of punts. Rutgers starting field position, the hat tip to Ben Jones. Punt number one, Rutgers gets the ball in their 14. Number two, ball in their three. Number three, ball in their eight. Four, ball in their nine. Five, ball in their 14. Six, ball on their 19. Seven, ball on their 33. Eight, ball on their three. Rutgers didn't, whenever they had to take the field, it was against a very good, very angry defense with at least 70 yards of field ahead of them between them and the end zone. Like it was like, I I think this is, you would probably agree with me, Matt, that ever since Sean Clifford went down, the offense has been a disappointment. Like, I don't think I'm saying anything particularly uh, controversial there, but this was the kind of performance that if the defense is going to go out, at Beaver Stadium with one last performance, I think this is the exact kind of one we wanted to send them out on. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it was. Um, there's you know some comments after the game that I saw as far as um, you know this defense deserves better than than seven and four, and um, you know it's a shame that the offense you know can't match their production, which you know that's a, a season long talking point. But um, like I said earlier, I think this was top to bottom the, the most impressive, both from a um, you know, pure production standpoint and just kind of the, the giving, giving Rutgers, you know, no hope really whatsoever between the field position from Jordan Stout's punting from the just sheer dominance along the offensive line. You know, the, the longest run that Rutgers had all day was Noah Vedral for 12 yards, which came on a scramble. The longest design run um, was to Kyle Manangai for nine yards. Um, that, you're winning the battle up front. Um, when you have those kind of numbers on um, the number of, of quarterback hurries, um, they got credited with three, according to ESPN and just two sacks. It, it that was feels really quint, low. It was quintuple that. <laughs> and whether it's, you know, they're, they're, they're actually forcing the quarterback off his spot. They clearly were affecting everything Rutgers wanted to do offensively because they were, they were so good up front. And yeah, yeah, this is Rutgers. It's not the, the Ohio state offense by any means, or, we'll say even the Michigan offense that we saw last week, but they, they did what, what you expect to do when you're that overmatched. And I think like we were saying earlier, when you do it with guys like Kaziah Azard and um, Drew Ellies and um, you know, some of those guys that are going to be back next year, Nick Tarburton, um, Fatorma Mulba got some run, um, Smith Vilbert, you're, you're doing it with guys that are, going to factor in next year, getting significant snaps against the Big Ten opponent. And they and they maintain that standard. And I think seeing the continued improvement from a number of those guys that have had taken on bigger roles this year um, kind of culminated in what we saw on Saturday was, was really cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, we probably spent um, – <laughs> 
we probably spent more time than I could have even begin to anticipate we were going to spend talking about this defense. It seemed like a very open and shut case with this one. Uh, let's move to the other side of the football, which was the story of the game, Matt, was I'm sure you, like me, like a bunch of our followers, heard the rumblings that Sean Clifford wasn't 100%. They saw in warm, you know, the pe- people in the stadium tweeting during warmups. Hey, Christian Veyu's taking the snaps with one. Hey, they, like, I I was w- with my little group that goes to all the games, and they said Sean has a little pregame uh, routine where he and his brother Liam will, you know, go to the end zone, say a little prayer, then he gets real fired up, and he just didn't do that. He didn't look like himself at any point during that game. His line on the afternoon, two for eight, 23 yards, two carries for four yards. I didn't think he had it at all. And I don't know what his injury was. I think if you go back and watch what ended up happening uh, on that play, um, I don't know if Anthony Wigan has an NIL deal anywhere, but he owes Sean Sean Clifford a meal for missing the block that messed him up. But I say all that to say this, I'm as long as he's not hurt in a way that is really serious, I'm kind of glad that he got a game to more or less just get on the sidelines, relax, get healthy, uh, both in terms of whatever's physically up with him and uh, whatever bug was in his system. But I'm also happy because I think we got, the single most important data point that we could get for this Penn State football team, which is that they have a capable human being in Christian Veyu who can potentially be the starting quarterback in the event next season. They don't get that grad transfer. They want to give Drew Aller some time to settle and they want to give Bo Pribula time to settle and whatever. I th- do not think we could have seen a more impressive performance out of value just in general. No, I think that's, that's a very good way to put it that given the circumstances um, to get what they got from him, especially considering the way he kind of started, it was a slower start. Um, I don't remember the exact sequence, but it was a little bit more. um, You could tell he was a little bit jittery, a little bit fired up, the adrenaline pumping, you know, he was, coming off his spot a little bit faster than he was later in the game as he got comfortable. Um, going back to Clifford real quickly, I think um, from you know, the TV broadcast, they were kind of indicating that maybe it was his elbow or, or something from what it looked like to me and, and rewatching it a little bit. And what the, his last play where Wigan missed the block, he came off his spot and tried to scramble for the first down was the kind of play where you've seen, we've seen him make that pretty consistently this year, even post Iowa when he's been, um, you know, obviously not a hundred percent physically, but has been able to use his legs to, with some degree of effectiveness. He just couldn't break an arm tackle that kind of got him mm-hmm. around the shin. Um, and to me that looked a heck of a lot like a guy who come to find out was on IVs before the game. That's why he missed warmups. Um, you know, he stretched and went back and got an IV um, it looked like a guy who was recovering from some sort of bug and just physically wasn't there. And, um, you know, he's 
fighting probably a dozen different injuries that we'll find out about at some point after the year, maybe. But um, no, I think it was very clear that, you know, physically and, and health wise that he just wasn't there. As for Christian Veu, you know, like I said, he was, um, you know, once he settled in, um, certainly had some, some freshman moments. I think there were some throws that um, he got away with because of the opposition or got some help from, from his receivers, but top to bottom for a guy who I actually went back and looked at this um, during the game on Saturday, the last live snap I imagine he took was November 9th, 2019 for the Bullis school um, before not playing his senior year last year due to COVID uh, Bullis didn't play a, a 2020 football season. Um, so those were his first in-game snaps, uh, not counting the blue white game since his junior year of high school. So um you're going to expect some some kind of heart in your throat kind of moments, and he got away with them. Um, but I think as he settled in more and more, I think he, you know, started to show off. Certainly, the arm strength, the touchdown throw to Jahan Dotson was unbelievable. Just the perfect combination of arm strength and touch to get it up over the defender and then drop it into to Dotson in the back of the end zone. Um, he didn't complete either of them, but the two deep balls, one to uh, Cam Sullivan Brown and one to Jahan Dotson up the sideline, I thought were really well-thrown balls. Um, I think the thing that really jumped out to me more than anything is as he got comfortable, you saw him a level of anticipation as far as expecting guys to get open or expecting guys to be in a certain spot and giving them a chance to make that play. I thought the Jahan Dotson um, go route on the sideline was a perfect example of that. You know, he... He wasn't wide open, but he was one-on-one with the DB, and so he was going to throw the ball up and you know hope he could put it in a spot where his guy can make a play. Um, there was a pass, I think it was, to uh, Warren, where he kind of you know put it up in the air and let his guy go get it, and um, Warren took the big hit from the safety but made the play. Um, so you saw plays like that. You saw the there was, I think, a, a route over the middle to Parker. I think it was the Parker Washington where he probably tried to force something early on but got away with it. Um, that pass to Warren got away with it because of you know the great play by his, his receiver. Um, but you know when it's all said and done, he's 15 and 24, 235 yards and three touchdowns, um, and and had had a little bit of of that confidence that you want to see in a quarterback, whether they're a senior or a freshman. Um, you know he he looked like he belonged, which uh, not to rip open old wounds, but given what we saw the last time Penn State went to a, a backup quarterback in a, a competitive situation. Um, we didn't see anything resembling that. So um, both in the, the immediate future, depending on what happens with Clifford over the next week, going into Michigan state. And like you said, Bill, going into 2022, there is a guy that is on the roster now that has some game experience in a, a competitive situation that you kind of know a little bit of what you've got. Um, and he's got obviously now the rest of this season, an all off season now to build on that um, where he's going to be um, assuming to Quan Roberson transfers. Like we kind of all assume will happen. He's going to be the one guy in the room. Um, and again, assuming Sean Clifford doesn't come back for his sixth year. He's the one guy that has that experience that, you know, I think if you catch Mike Yersich or James Franklin in an honest moment, he's kind of the, the guy they're looking to going into the off season as being the, the presumptive starter you know, going into that competition that they always talk about. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing that kept popping into my mind was there was a quote and I I can't for the life of me remember who at elite 11 said it. I can't even remember where, 
you know, which Penn State Outlet published, I think it was 24-7, where the person who – what, a, a big wig at Elite 11, which Christian Bayou attended when he was uh, about to enter his senior year of high school. Uh, I mean, he was when would that have been? That would that have been? It, it would have been, been like July of 2020, something like that. Okay. Down in Nashville, I think they did it. Okay, that's right. And, and they basically said, when it comes to just the natural stuff, how do you throw the football? How do you like? Like, how do you do all the? stuff that is just in any quarterback that you don't need to coach up. He's right there with anyone. And the difference was because of how weird his path was being from Canada, spending one year at a small high school in uh, Buffalo or whatever it was spending, uh, you know, playing one year of football for uh, playing one year of football for the Bullis school before uh, the pandemic took away senior year. He just didn't have that bit of refinement of things that, you know, another guy there, uh, Caleb Williams was at that elite 11. Caleb Williams has that refinement because he's been working with high level QB coaches for however long. Garrett Nussmeyer, his dad is literally an NFL person. Like though, those sorts of guys, he couldn't compete with on the refined stuff. But when it came to just, it is time for you to throw a football, you're as good as anybody. And that's why I know you and me both were, Matt, uh, big fans of him because when you just watch the stuff he could do, you see a really solid quarterback. And I think that was the case in this game. Uh, There were a few occasions where he trusted his arm a whole hell of a lot. And you mentioned the couple of jump balls on – one of his one of the drive, I think it was the drive that ended with him throwing the touchdown on John Dotson. There were a couple of times where he locked from the time the ball was snapped, he just looked at his number one receiver. It was Jahan on one occasion, it might have been Parker Washington on another. Just looking, looking, looking. Okay, fine, time to throw it. There was no effort to like fool anyone with his eyes, but he has the arm talent that he was able to get the ball. And that's something that you'll get away with against Rutgers, maybe not against Michigan State, maybe not against any of these other teams. But it was a guy playing his first game of heights of college football. You're fine with that sort of thing. I thought he looked like he was in control of the offense. Like there were a few occasions where he was going up to the line of scrimmage, making a check at the line. I want to say... Franklin said that he made a check into one of the plays that ended up being a touchdown, Matt. Did you see him mention that? I don't know for sure. I know they do, you know, there was a lot of, you know, the the check with the sidelines that they've done all year. I don't remember the specific play though, necessarily. Okay. I, I will do a little bit of, a little bit of homework, but I, I'm almost positive something. Someone Franklin said something like that at some point in his post game. So, but like they show, you saw a guy with a little bit of control of the offense, which is not usual for a true freshman, and especially not usual for a true freshman who, for all intents and purposes, didn't really get serious run with, you know, serious run in practice until after that Iowa game. When it became obvious that, you know, if you have to go to Taquan Roberson for anything serious, he might not be able to be your guy. So he went in there. He made some throws that look good. I thought I was really impressed with him running the football 10 for 36. Uh, Not stellar numbers, Matt, but I thought he went out there and went 
there were opportunities to break. I, there was the one where it was like a, a snap that he wasn't expecting. He fell on it. That took about five yards off of his total. But he looked comfortable out there in a way that was really unusual to me. Um, I I think that, you know, there's the there, there's the big thing about why didn't he just come in against Iowa? Like, I don't even want to address that quote from James Franklin. At that point, it wasn't obvious that he was the backup sooner. He's gotten better. That's the difference. And that's the reason we're not, we're not going to get into that entire thing, but I think that when his number was like, it's all you can ask for out of your backup quarterback. When your number is called, you go out there and you give something pot. You don't actively hurt your team. He didn't just actively not hurt his team. He helped them win this football game. Uh, Franklin said, I was proud of him and how he, how poised he was today. He made some plays with his legs, made some big time throws, made some checks, I think if I told you Christian Veyu was going to come into this game, Matt, before the game, you would have assumed one of two things. Either one, that Sean Clifford went out there and even despite you know having, having the flu, whatever it was, he was able to put up a good performance against this Rutgers defense and then you know burn clock time in the fourth quarter with Penn State up 28 to nothing. Veyu came in. Or two, he was not going to lead Penn State's offense for four scoring drives. I don't know how you could be anything other than blown away by that. Any, any like just final quick things you want to say about Vey before we move on to some other elements of the offense? No, I think it's a testament to to how the work he's done, especially in the last six weeks or so. Um, you know, not to harp on the Iowa game too much, but you know, coming out of that game, it was very obvious that Penn State was going to change the way they were handling their backup quarterbacks. I think there was a very obvious hierarchy going into the year for very obvious reasons of Sean Clifford one to Quan Roberson two, Christian Veyu three. And coming out of that game, there was a conscious decision to change up how they were splitting up reps among those guys. And Christian Veyu's mm-hmm. taken full advantage of that. He's he, he has played his way into the number two guy, both as the result of what Roberson didn't do against Iowa and the work he's done, the work the coaching staff's done with him since then. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know in, if this is a month ago, if he comes in against Illinois, if we get the same sort of performance as we saw, saw today, I think it's, um, you know, a guy like we've talked about a couple of times, hasn't played football for two years that, um, has kind of been fast tracked in the last six weeks to be ready for this type of scenario. And he, he's mm-hmm. took full advantage of it. And, you know, I don't think from a guy who, like we said, has clearly has the arm talent has a little bit of that that athleticism enough to, to threaten you with his legs. And I think he's a pretty confident kid. You know, the way yep. he, you said trusted his arm that much, um, you know, there's there's something to work with there. And um, to come in and, and do that with a two-year layoff in a Big Ten football game, I don't care who you're playing, um, Rutgers or anyone else, um, if you put up those kind of numbers um, – Clearly, that's that's impressive uh, on its own. Then you add in the the two year layoff and you know where he was even a month ago to where he is now is is really really impressive. Yeah, you mentioned the confidence that uh, first down run that he had later in the game where he he hurdles for no reason, throws up a peace sign, <laughs> and then lands and hurt and like tweaks something in his knee. Like uh, that was so funny, man. Like he's. It, it, it was it was a performance where again, 
you really cannot ask for anything better out of the more out of the kid. And he responded in a big way. And it, we'll, we'll get to what that might mean uh, next week in a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about basically everyone else. I mean, I thought that, you know, Penn State's running offense still wasn't particularly great. You know, we'll, we'll throw that out there again. But like Noah Kane had seven carries, 29 yards. He was all right. Kayvon Lee, 13-41 in a score. He was all right. Uh, skill, the receivers, I thought it was a really nice game. I, I thought with the pass catchers, we saw something that kind of harkened back to, uh, those, not Wisconsin, but those weeks after Wisconsin, where we saw how guys were able to get, get open in the case of Malik Mega, very open, uh, just, they were running good routes. They were getting the ball quickly. Uh, the, it, it, it Getting the ball quickly in that they were getting open quickly and the quarterback was just getting it to them with some good zip, some good velocity in a position where they could catch it, all those sorts of things. And, like, I just thought it was a top to bottom. All those skill positions guys played well. I thought the offensive line, you know, it wasn't perfect. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Anthony Wiggins going to have, uh, you know, he's he, he probably has an apology to give to Sean Clifford for the play where he got hurt, but – you look left, basically left to right on the line. I thought Juice Scruggs had a pretty good game from what I saw. I thought Bryce Efter did a capable job at tackle. Eric Wilson at guard did an all right job. Uh, Landon Tangwall finally got his Penn State debut, and I thought he did about as good as an all, a true freshman left tackle uh, with his redshirt preserved can do in that kind of situation. Were, were there any players whose performances really stuck out for you? Uh, as you watch that game, as you thought about that game in the, uh, you know, 30, yeah, not 36, 30 some odd hours since it ended. I thought um, it's the best Noah Keynes looked all year. Um, you know, it's like you said, it wasn't a dominant running game by any means, but it was something vaguely resembling a running game. Uh, um, I thought Kane especially looked um, quicker. I thought he was much more decisive than he's been. I, um, you know, kind of closer to what we've seen his first two years where, you know, he's kind of a one cut and go guy. Um, you saw more of that in his his seven carries. I thought um, you saw again flashes of what Kayvon Lee was last year. Um, I thought it was nice to see Kaziah Holmes get a little bit of run late in the game and see some of the the kind of electric athleticism that we've heard about with him. Um, nice to see him get a chance. It would have been nice to see um, Devin Ford get some get an opportunity, but he was one of the the uh, many players out with the flu. Um, I thought just in general you're seeing faint signs of progress with the running game. I thought we saw a little bit against Michigan, even too. Um, there was a little bit there against Maryland two weeks or the week before Michigan. Um, certainly not great. Certainly not anywhere near where you want it to be, but where they were a month ago to where they are now, I think you're seeing that whatever they've done in practice has started to have some sort of effect. Um, I, like you said, Bill, I thought the offensive line, given the patchwork nature um, was was solid, I guess, is the, probably the best word for it. Um, I thought um, you know, Parker Washington is a guy that um, has very quietly, um, I'm going to pull up his numbers here real quick, just because he's got 53 catches and three touchdowns. He's very quietly had another really good season, and you just kind of forget about him. I think it's because he's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy. He's not the jumping out of the gym guy. He's just open. He makes catches and, you know, is is wiggly enough, I guess, is the best way to put it, to, you know, make make a guy miss in the open field. Um, I thought he, he's he been really good, I think, the last 
um, last two or three games especially. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows about Jahan Dodson, so seeing guys like him, I thought um, Keandre Lambert-Smith had a quiet day, but the tight end stepped up. Um, Tyler Warren had a couple big catches. Um, like you said, like kind of our prompt on the question was, everyone kind of had a pretty solid day. Um, no, not perfect by any means for really anyone, but um, again, given where they were a month ago to where they are now, I think you've seen something resembling progress and figuring some stuff out as they fit all these pieces together. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Parker Washington because I he, he reminds me a bit of De- – I will say like Deshaun Hamilton where, uh, you know, I think Deshaun was a better player than him. Uh, but, you know, he just kind of finds little areas in a defense to get open. And if he has some room to run and show off that little bit of wiggle, he will be, you know – you're not going to really just huck it up to him and hope he goes and makes a play. That's just not really his game. So he kind of you kind of lose him when you have a Jahan Dotson, when you have tight ends who are big, strong, physical guys, and you can really come to not appreciate what a guy like Parker Washington does. I'm glad uh, you mentioned his numbers on the year. I didn't realize he was at 53 catches, but that, that didn't seem like however many had, but six, 72, and one. Uh, that one came where he was interfered with. Like, he was just straight up tackled by uh, by the guy who was trying to uh, take him down, by, by the cornerback he was matched up against. It did not matter. Dude just went up there and made the play with Tyler Warren did something similar. Uh, you mentioned that, Matt. Uh, only guys I want to mention one, again, Landon Tangwall, I thought he was one-on-one with defensive ends basically all day. And he didn't win every single time, but he won enough, slightly more than enough, I would say, to make me think when it is his time to get on Penn State's offensive line, and we don't know eventually where he's going to uh, end up, 6'6", 326, has that little bit of nasty to him, fires off the line of scrimmage, really gets into dudes, He's the kind of guy that you want to have on your offensive line under any circumstance. I think he's just going to be like a breath of fresh air uh, considering what this Penn State line has been this season. So I like a big, big shout out to Landon Tangwall. It sounded like he was going to get – like it was kind of the plan. He was going to get some run uh, this week, and that was before – even before there was a little bit of shuffling on the line uh, – I don't think Franklin explicitly said this, but it sounded like Mike Miranda was one of the guys who uh, has been dealing with some kind of ailment, either illness or injury, whatever that might be. Uh, and, you know, he he played really well. I'm fascinated to see him next week uh, against a pretty nasty Michigan State front. I'm pretty excited to see everyone on this offense against a pretty nasty Michigan State front. But that's something we'll talk about. Uh, we will talk about in a moment. Uh, just one other thing I want to mention. If you get a chance, go back and watch Kayvon Lee. This is for you, Matt, and anyone else. Kayvon Lee's touchdown run. It's just standard handoff, go off tackle, do what, see what ends up happening there. And Theo Johnson drives a dude just straight back into the end zone. It's a bit of a size advantage. I, I'd say Theo has about five, six inches and probably about 40, 50 pounds of the dude, but just mows him straight back. Like it, it, it was very fun. Just a 
Well, something I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention there. Uh, only other thing I wanted to talk about, Matt, uh, when it comes to the offense, uh, is Malik Mega like is he blessed with the power of invisibility? <laughs> what happened there? Because I've never seen someone that wide open. I think it's a com- we saw this. I want to say it was in 2014 against Rutgers, um, and I believe it was Akil Lynch took the handoff from it would have been Christian Hackenberg and just kind of went right past everyone where missed assignments, bad angle, you you name it. Rutgers made the mistake. It was obviously a different kind of scenario here, but I think one, you know, obviously a huge blown assignment by the backside of the Rutgers defense. I think it's a really solid play design. Mega was set up on the left side of the line. They rolled out Bayou to the right and everyone floods to the short receivers, the tight ends, Dotson, whoever was was in on that play. And Mega just kind of sneaks out the backside and no one is there. Um, you know, it's obviously a great first touchdown. I kind of, given what we've heard about him and kind of his, his athletic profile out of high school, it would have been cool to see, you know, him beat a guy one-on-one down the sideline, win and jump ball for his first touchdown. So in, in that sense, it's almost underwhelming because he's got all these great athletic gifts that, you know, when he, if and when he puts it all together, is going to be really something. Um, but, you know, credit Mike Yurcich for the play design, credit Mega and, and Veyu for the execution, and I guess credit Rutgers for completely forgetting about the left side of the offense. Yeah, if you, if you actually get a, get a chance to go back, it was, I don't remember if it was earlier on that drive. I think it might have been the drive before, but they did something similar where they have that little bit of pre-snap motion. They kind of fake that handoff to the guy. It might have also been Parker Washington uh, in that situation. And they actually have something similar-ish there uh, where Jahan Dotson is the guy that they just can, that Rutgers defense just completely lose track of. Jahan goes for a gain of uh, 15 or something like that. It might have been, actually, no, it might have been his longest, uh, longest one of the day, the one that went for 30 yards. But it, it seemed like they knew that Rutgers was not going to deal with that pre-snap motion particularly well. And that was even when they had safeties who were a little farther back, like all game. Rutgers was basically playing press man at the line of scrimmage with no safeties back there. And I like, there's part of me that wishes that Penn state just ran the four verts offense, neither here nor there, but on that, this one in particular, like, the cornerback who was lined up on Mega at the line of scrimmage was completely fooled by everything that Penn State did. Eight players on Rutgers, nine players on Rutgers defense are within three yards of the line of two. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's two yards of the line of scrimmage. The guy who is not the safety on Parker Washington is going with him the entire way. And then the safety who is the last line of defense and is, uh, let's, let me do one, two, three, four, seven yards away from the line of scrimmage is just eyes are locked the entire time on the backfield and mega just slips back. Like I, it, like if I were a defensive head football coach like Greg Schiano is, I would lose my mind over that. But yeah, that was just, it was just something. Uh, I'm a, I it was a very fun performance. It was a good opportunity to kind of breathe a little bit of life into the team. We'll talk about that in a moment and just what that 
means coming up next week, Matt. Uh, game balls, hand out one for the offense, hand out one for the defense, and then I will say what you and I both agree, Jordan Stout just gets one. Like, Jordan Stout was unreal in this game. I mean, I, I'm, I know we mentioned it earlier with the field position, but Jordan Stout, I think, has been um, kind of lost in the shuffle of some of the, the offensive issues, you know, how, how good he's been really from day mm-hmm. one this season. Um, on offense, I, I don't think you have, we have any choice but to give it to Christian Veyu. You know, coming in cold, first game action in two years, putting up those kind of numbers, kind of sparking the offense that, um, you know, hadn't done anything to that point for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I, I think that that's that's the easiest game ball we might give out this year. Um, on defense, I thought Jaquan Brisker was really good, but I'm going to go with Derek Tangelo, um, a guy who's um, sixth year in college, you know, using his, his COVID year at Penn State. Um, didn't have the outstanding numbers, but he factored into so many plays. Um, the, the BTN guys, you know, talked a lot about it. Um, there was a couple plays on screens where technically missed the tackle, but, um, you know, did enough to make the play to force, you know, force the guy back to where, where he had help, um, you know, blew up a couple plays right in the middle. Um, I think, you know, both for his performance yesterday and just really for his, his performance all year in Kevin on Harold Manor as, as the other defensive tackle um, opposite PJ Mustafer now is kind of the guy with him out since the Iowa game. Um, I, I'm, I was really cool to see a guy like that go out like he did in his last game at Beaver stadium. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to agree. I, you have to give one to uh have to give the first one to Christian value, what he did coming in, first college uh, appearance going up against a defense that, you know, for how not great Rutgers is as a football team. I mean, it's still a veteran defense. It's uh, even after this past week, 31st in defensive SP plus not, not a bad group by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but they ended up getting torched by a true freshman who threw a football in that game for the first time in months years so good for him on that and then no i i'm just gonna give i'm gonna cheap out and say the uh game ball goes the entire defense like i think everyone just did fantastic it was a it was a collectively really great game by penn state's defense i don't think there was like one player in particular who stood out it was just one of those things where if you took the field in this game you put on a show and i think that again getting to send them out with that sort of thing is uh really Really impressive. Uh, not the end of the season, though, Matt. Next week, Penn State ends the year with the Land Grant Trophy on the line, heading to East Lansing in uh, what is the DeBear Household Divorce Bowl uh, as the Penn State Nittany Lions take on the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, really interesting game. It is currently a toss-up uh, by our friends out in the desert. FPI has Penn State at a 52% chance of winning. Michigan State 34th in SP+, 32 offensively, 30th defensively, 103 special teams. And kind of the biggest thing, they are coming off of as comprehensive an ass whooping as you're ever going to see a football team get went into Columbus, uh, lost 56 to seven. And that was a very, very merciful 56 by Ryan day and co. They were up 49 to nothing at halftime. Uh, I, I was telling, 
I was telling my brother-in-law, I saw him a little bit earlier today, uh, that when we, my friends and I were keeping track of the score on our phones and we knew what was happening, but the rest of the stadium didn't know what was happening. So Dean DeVore comes over the loudspeaker and is giving the scores of other games and says, you know, with six minutes left in the second quarter, and then every one of us is just looking around like, oh, I cannot wait for this. He goes, Ohio State 42, Michigan State zero. And the entire stadium just went, ooh. Like it was, I, I didn't get a chance to watch. Was that as comprehensive of a whooping to watch, Matt, as it seems like it was? Because I cannot imagine, cannot imagine watching my football team lose a game like that. It it absolutely was. Um, I don't know what happened after I think twenty eight nothing. So, Bill, you know that I I have a a two TV sometimes three TV setup in my basement when I'm home on yes. a college football Saturday. So yesterday we started um, as you alluded to. My wife is a Michigan State fan. We started with the Michigan State Ohio State game on the big screen with the sound on. Penn State Rutgers was on the second TV muted and. I think it was 21 nothing. We made the switch from uh, we just you know, flap screens, and I think shortly thereafter it was 28 nothing. And uh, Jackie just asked me to take it off. So I don't know what happened beyond that, other than the score kept getting bigger, and the the tweets that I I saw about it were just kind of like, you know, kind of in in awe of what Ohio State was doing. Um, it's a fr- from a Penn State perspective. I don't know if it's one of those things that makes you really encouraged or makes you really terrified because how does Michigan state react to this? Um, You know, they have not dealt with a whole lot of adversity this year. Um, You know, they they lost the Purdue game after uh, coming out of the Michigan game um, in West Lafayette and recovered from, from that Purdue loss to put together a pretty solid game against Maryland. Um, And then on the other hand, there's an, all this, talk around Michigan state going into that game with the Mel Tucker contract situation with the Kenneth Walker Heisman talk with, you know, how good has Peyton Thorne been, you know, and, you know, Michigan state kind of trending up within the conference kind of back to where they were, you know, a half dozen years ago or so. Um, really fascinated from just a, a college football fan to see what, what they look like on Saturday. You know, how, how do you respond from a, a, a game like that where, um, Mel Tucker put it kind of, you know, we got hit in the mouth and didn't respond. Um, and you know, b- before they knew it, they were down four scores. Um, you know, Kenneth Walker left the game with, he's been dealing with an ankle injury for, um, a few weeks now. I think that was partially, um, you know, keeping him from getting banged up more partially. This is already out of hand. Let's not make a bad situation worse. Um, Jalen Reed left that game with, um, an injury. They didn't have Jalen Naylor again. Um, he's been out since the Michigan game with, I believe, a hand injury. Um, but going into that game, I think there was a lot of talk about the Michigan State pass defense. And obviously, if you have questions in the secondary, Ohio State isn't exactly the team you want to face with with the weapons they have um, at receiver and quarterback. Um, what does... you know? Penn State's got a little bit of confidence now. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I think if Sean Clifford's healthy, 
both um, from a, a physical, you know, bones and muscle standpoint, as well as a, a health standpoint. I think you and I probably both agree that he's going to be the guy. Um, Doe, Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert Smith and the tight ends. And do those guys have enough to take advantage of some of those holes on the back end? It, how will this kind of revamped Penn State offensive line look against a more talented defensive front that Michigan State's going to throw at them? Um, it's a it's a really interesting game, and I think it was one. Um, it was always going to be a close spread. You know, we've we've watched it kind of from afar over the last few weeks, knowing it was coming, and kind of you know, how's this last month going to play out for Penn State? And then all of a sudden, we get this almost outlier of a data point against Ohio state. I think you kind of ever, everyone scratched their heads a little bit. What's going to happen in East Lansing. Um, you know, Mel Tucker's done an unbelievable job, um, both in improving the talent level very quickly in East Lansing through the, the transfer portal. I think just the general mindset of that program of, um, you know, where they were last year to where they are now, there's, um, just a totally different personality about the team, um, than we saw a year ago. Um, but I think this is this is a huge test for them, and I think it's um, going to be a nice barometer for Penn State. I think it's a team that they are, on paper, more talented than, but they match up in some concerning ways, especially on that offensive line that's kind of been the story for Penn State for the last six weeks or so. Yeah, my general belief is that Penn State has the guys to take advantage of Michigan State's biggest weakness if Michigan State's guys who are able to take advantage of Penn State's biggest weakness aren't able to win. Like, it, it, like it basically is that simple of a game for me. Like, I, it, it, you know, it was the thing I mentioned on the pod last week, Matt. I, you, and you just kind of alluded to it. I am so interested in seeing if this Michigan State loss to Ohio State will be like – Penn State losing to Ohio State in 2017 and 2018. As we all remember in those games, Penn State loses really emotional games to Ohio State. And this is a different kind of emotion. Penn State, you know, lost those two Ohio State games by a combined like four points or whatever it was. And then the next week they came out and played Michigan State teams. 2017 had that weird monsoon in it. 2018, just, you know, really fluky game. Michigan State won the first one 27-24 in East Lansing. That was the Monsoon game, three-hour rain delay. Second game, they won 21-17. You know, we'll call it the Felton-Davis game. Y'all know what I mean by that. And I'm just very interested in whether or not we have kind of the reverse of that situation. Penn State was able to just get uh, a a big win – you know, big win relative to how things were going. Emotions are a little bit high. They just – faced a bit of adversity with whatever was going on within the program when we were able to uh, overcome that and have a comfortable win against Rutgers. And then meanwhile, you look at what happened to Michigan State going out there and getting trounced by Ohio State in a way that I – like. I thought Ohio State was going to win that game comfortably. I, even I was surprised by how much – how comfortably Ohio State won that game. They outgained Michigan State – 655 to 224. They went first downs 36 to 12. Like it, it was a breathtaking performance by Ohio State. And I just like don't know how Michigan State responds to that. But what I did mention a second ago, like I, I don't know the health situation of the various guys, Matt. You know that a little bit better than me. 
I'm not certain this Michigan State offense is going to be able to do a ton against this Penn State defense, although I, I say that with the caveat of if Kenneth Walker is healthy and he is able to get cooking a little bit, I think he can have a very uh, Chase Brown of Illinois, Hassan Haskins of Michigan performance against this, against Penn State just because I think they're going to be able to uh, push that front around a little bit. I'm not confident in Michigan State's ability to throw too terribly much, even without uh, the injuries that they have. Like, I think Thorne is a very nice quarterback. I don't think he's that kind of guy who's going to be able to really uh, consistently beat a very good Penn State secondary. And then, like we said, the other side so- on the other side of the ball, it's which thing is able to win Michigan State's front or Penn State's passing game. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Before we go a little bit more in depth, uh, we have we might 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 have our pal Chris Benedio the Athletic on because we're going to talk a lot about the trophy. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, who do you want starting under center in this game, Matt? Because I, I it is a very difficult question for me. But if one thi- if you could tell me the answer to one question. And that question is, how close to 100% is Sean Clifford going to be? I can give you my answer to who I want to play quarterback for Penn State. I, I think if, if Sean Clifford is is healthy, um, and I'm not even talking 100%, I think if he's you know, not getting an IV the day before the game or the morning of the game, then I think he has to be the guy. Um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier when we were talking about Christian Veyu. He, he, was, he was fantastic. But I think at home against Rutgers um, is a very different assignment than on the road in East Lansing against the uh, the Michigan State secondary is is gettable. That front seven is you know night and day from what they saw against Rutgers on Saturday. So mm-hmm. I I think with again the caveat that he is you know as as physically healthy as he can be. I think you have to go with Sean Clifford with the understanding that if he's banged up or if it, he just doesn't have it kind of like, like we saw on Saturday against Rutgers, then I would think you're a little bit more comfortable going towards or going to Veyu in that situation, even if it's just for a series or two. Um, I, I, but I think all things being equal, Sean Clifford needs to be the guy I don't like the idea of well, you got to figure out what you've got in Christian Veyu. I don't think, Agreed. I don't think whatever you learn about him in 60 minutes on Saturday, whatever the result would be, is a significant enough data point between then and opening day against Purdue next Labor Day weekend, where that's going to educate your decision on on who your quarterback is, not just for that game, but how you address the offseason. You know what you know? How do you look to the transfer portal. What are your plans for the freshman coming in? Um, I think your, your decision a hundred percent has to be who gives us the best chance to win. And with all the evidence that we have, if Sean Clifford is healthy, then he's the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Yeah. It's, I, I think if Clifford, I'll say both what you mentioned about, um, getting IVs his arm and then just like a general physical, how he's feeling sort of thing. If he is able to go, then yeah, I want him in there. If he's banged up, if he's, if it's one of those things where like 
you're throwing him out there and the likelihood, you know, you play Madden and it says uh, the likelihood of re-injury is high. Like if it's one of those things, I'm fine with sitting him, letting him rest, having him be kind of a breaking case of emergency option. Because like, I, I don't want Penn State doing wrong by Sean Clifford. And if that means Sean Clifford is just not in a place to play, then I don't think you put him out there. I, but I do agree with you completely on we don't need to see what we have in Christian Bayou because we just saw what Penn State has in Christian Bayou. We saw some of the good things with him. The untrained eyes of fans might not have caught onto all of them, but I am positive the coaching staff will say, well, there was a bad thing that we saw that we think Christian needs to do a little bit better. There was a bad thing that we saw. There was a not great thing that we saw, but that's not as big of a priority. We think that'll get better in its own time. They have that information. They are getting that, they are getting that information in practice every week. They get that information from what they saw in the game against Rutgers. You don't have to now say, all right, we're going to throw him out there against uh, a Michigan State defense that – while while not stellar, while you know they're a good, um, they're a good group, but they are still the kind of peop- group that could really give him some issues. Like if that Jacob Panishuk big fella is able to beat his assignment at whether that is Landon Tangwall, whether that is uh, Bryce Effner, Rasheed Walker, whomever that ends up being, he's going to be living in the backfield and he's going to be giving. Uh, Christian Bayou some problems. He, they're going to do stuff pre-snap that you know Christian Bayou maybe has not seen. And if he was confused by those things against Rutgers, but was able to get away with them because it was Rutgers, he's not getting away with that stuff necessarily against Michigan State. So I'm, I, I wouldn't hate seeing him. Like I, I say all that to say, I, if he comes in and he plays, I'm totally cool with it. Uh, but if it's a matter of well, listen, obviously we need to play him. This season doesn't matter. Like Sean Clifford, like, but for all intents and purposes, was not well enough to play football on Friday. And on Saturday, he needed to get an IV just to be able to play football. Like, tell him that this game does not matter and you got to see what you have for the future. And I'm like, I, I don't think any coach is going to look at things that way. But having said that, we'll have a ton more to talk about with this game in the coming uh, days as Penn State is looking to keep the land-grant trophy in Happy Valley for the third year in a row. I did not realize this series 17-17-1 and one, uh, all time, so it should be, a, should be a fun one. Matt, any final things to say before I end this episode of the pod? I hope that come 7 o'clock or so on Saturday, my wife and I are still speaking. I, you know what, if she is mad at you, then uh, that probably wouldn't be too terribly unusual, but that's preferable. So uh, we'll go in that direction. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to your po- the podcast wherever you go to get your podcast. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Please keep reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to buy some shirts. Matt's going to be coming down to my neck of the woods, so if you want to get one in before thanksgiving so we can get it in the mail please do that sooner rather than later and keep reading and supporting the site of course following us on social media as well one last time thank you very much for listening to this edition of royal lions radio from matt to bear i'm bill de take care everyone